Set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the chance to open it. And uh, our very simple prayer is that you would speak to us through it. By the power of your spirit, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Usually when we hear about someone having a hidden life, it's not a positive thing. Looking up a couple of the more famous cases of hidden lives uh, this past week and uh, came across a, a woman by the name of Jane Toppin. She was a nurse around 1901 and uh, a very capable and well-known nurse uh, who was hired by a family to take care of their ailing uh, grandmother. And what happened over time is that gradually all kinds of family members and friends started to surprisingly perish. They started to die. First it was uh, a family friend, then it was the grandmother, and then the daughter. And eventually, after the autopsy declared that all of them had died in the same way, this caring nurse confessed to having a double life as a serial murderer, killing 30 people. Or there's the story of John Leonard Orr, maybe a little more well-known to some of you. He was a uh, very well-known firefighter. He was uh, one of the best of the best. When there was a, a significant blaze, he was able to investigate and figure out exactly where the fire started, how it started, how the person, uh, what materials were used, the, uh, the process that the fire unfolded. And and it was only later that this John Orr was discovered to be an arsonist who had started over 2,000 fires, causing millions of dollars of damage in Los Angeles. When you and I think of a hidden life or a double life, usually we think of something that's a bit negative where someone learns that their neighbor had a completely double, uh, completely separate life, something that nobody could have known about. The last thing we want is for someone that we know or love to tell us, hey, I just want you to know that there is this entire other life I've been living, and it's probably time that I tell you. Unless they're working for the CIA or the FBI, we don't want to know about it. And yet this this idea of a hidden life is what Paul is going to build the, the whole next chapter of Colossians on. 
If you want to put verse 3 back up on the screen, uh, Paul, or look in your Bible, or look in the booklet that we um, have been using over the last couple of weeks, we notice that Paul writes, When uh, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Which is to say that there's something about you and I about who we are, about how we've been made, about what God has done for us that we don't see, that we don't know about. And if you're anything like me, my first question is, well, if it's hidden, and I don't know what it is, it's a mystery, I don't get to see it until later. I don't get to see what it's about until later. How does that help me in any way now? That's a good, important question for us to investigate, to uncover, because this is the basis upon which Paul says, this is what you are to do. It's the indicative on which the imperative is built. Now, some of you who are in the middle of your grammar class in high school are thinking, ah, I know those words and I hate them. And some of us are thinking, I don't want to remember back. And yet, indicative and imperative are what the Christian life in many ways is built upon. And getting the order right is immensely important. And for us to understand what God is writing to us through the Apostle Paul in Colossians about the hidden life, we've got to get this right. So, what does it mean when we talk about the indicative and the imperative? Well, the indicative is what is. It's true. I'm wearing a blue shirt. I have khaki pants. This is an orange mum. There's a black Baby grand piano over on my right, your left. We sang as a group of people earlier. Those are indicative statements. They declare what is true. An imperative is a command. Stand up, sit down, raise your hand, read the Bible, pray. And in God's word, when he relates to his people, the order is always indicative first and imperative second. Now, we know this to be true just in life, okay? If I say to my kids, go get me a drink of water, There's a different relationship there, isn't there? There's an indicative that's different. I am your father. You will listen to me. You need to do what I say because if you want to stay in my home, the indicative determines the imperative. But if you go to Meyer later today or tomorrow and you say to some kid, hey, go get me an apple. They're not going to listen to you. There's no indicative. 
There's nothing that has been established to give the authority and the weight to the imperative. Chapter 3 starts, we go up a slide, with a command. Set your hearts on things above. Verse 2, set your minds on things above. We're going to keep going later on in the chapter. Verse 5, if you have your Bible open. Put to death. Verse 8, get rid of anger, malice. Verse 9, don't lie. Put on your new self. These are all imperative. They are all commands. And they are based on the indicative of what God has accomplished for us in Christ what is already true. And verse 1, since then, the assumption being, this is already true. You have been raised with Christ. But the truth is that very few of us feel that way. Right? Most of us come in today with either an an acute awareness that we are living this side of eternity. We've had a tough week. We are going to have a tough week. We've dragged ourselves here. We, some of us, if we're honest, haven't really wanted to be here. God and uh, us haven't been on speaking terms lately. And if we are on speaking terms, it's a lot more anger and maybe four-letter words that don't enter other conversation. Or maybe we've drifted or we're coming into this place with some relational distance with some of the people that we normally sit next to or we see. And the indicative of our reality that we have been raised with Christ, that feeling isn't one that we would write home about. We watch the waters of baptism and it feels flat. We sing the songs and we look around and we think, ah, oh, people are singing really well. They're really into it. My heart, flat. My faith, empty. And yet the way that this is written is not like maybe if you feel this is true, but it is since then, since this is in fact the way things are, you have been raised. What follows then is, well, where is this life that's so alive? And that's why Paul writes, it's hidden. Now, that doesn't mean it never shows up. That doesn't mean that on this side of eternity, we don't ever get a glimpse of it. Because there are times where all of a sudden, who we are shows up in an unexpected way. Think about a time where, let's say, you dealt with road rage. And driving in traffic was something that just 
always brought the blood pressure up, and every stop sign was an immediate annoyance because no one else knows the rules. And one day, you pull up, and all of a sudden, unbeknownst to you, your left hand goes up, and it moves. It's an out-of-body experience. You just waved that person on. That's your hidden life in Christ. It's not because you suddenly realized what a, an important and impressive person you were that all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've matured. No, the Spirit of God has been at work in your heart in hidden and unexpected ways to grow and mature you because you are rooted in Christ, you are strengthened in Christ, you are built up in Him, you are abiding in Him, and when that life begins to take over, all of a sudden these things which are suppressed or maybe underneath the surface Like, what am I doing? Or maybe there's a habit you've had. And all of a sudden you've realized just how much you hate this sinful habit. You've been trying to kick it for years. And you've been praying, God, help me to hate this and want something else. And all of a sudden something has clicked. That's the hidden life of Christ Jesus in you. Now the difficulty is that for you and I as Christians, we don't ever get to put on the clothes of Christ, clothes, clothes of Christ, and see all of it in this life. Which is why Paul writes in verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, indicative, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And the Apostle John, or the Apostle John in his first letter, chapter 3, writes, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. We get glimpses of it. We get hints of it. We get small opportunities to see it. it. It'll show up unexpectedly out of nowhere. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the reality is that for most of us, I would dare bet for almost all of us, we will have a hard time seeing the hidden life of Christ in ourselves. But we may and are more likely to see it in someone else. We'll maybe see something in them that has changed. Maybe we haven't seen someone or talked to someone for a couple of years or maybe even a couple of months and we'll come across them and all of a sudden we'll realize that something about them has changed. Something is different. And it's clear that the Spirit of God has been at work in them and been transforming them. The life that is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. And so because of the indicative, the command is set your hearts on things 
above. Above, not spatially or physically, but above the fray. So think above the fray. Because the image here is Christ seated on his throne, ruling and reigning above the fray of the chaos and the suffering of the world around us. And so in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our trial, we are called to seek out, set our minds and our hearts above the fray where Christ is reigning and ruling already and live in that rule in the here and the now. And there are three concrete ways this matters, this hidden life matters. And we're going to close by just briefly looking at these three ways together. The first way is sin. Your and my posture towards sin is not to imagine that somehow we are this evil person and we've got to fight to be good. But rather that we are hidden in God, or with Christ in God, our goodness is already in there. And it's about seeing it for who God has made us to be. Maybe you grew up in a home where you had a parent who constantly said to you, you are a bad child. You are an evil child. Perhaps you had a parent who said to you, what is wrong with you? That is not what our Heavenly Father says to us. Our Heavenly Father says to us, you are my child, and what sin is doing is an expression of who you are becoming. We are already in the eyes of the Father the reflection of Jesus Christ. And this side of eternity, we're not going to see that. And for some of us, it means that our relationship with sin needs to change. That when we look in the mirror, like Martin Luther, we hear a little voice that goes off and says, there I go again. But instead, we need to hear a little voice say, no, I haven't been myself lately. I haven't been who God has already made me to be. I have already been made that way. I must continue to uncover it and discover it and let God reveal it in me. It changes how we, how we think about and live in relationship to sin. It, It also changes how we think about anxiety and uncertainty. Again, that phrase, set your minds on things above. Our, at least our our human brains are immediately thinking, well, heaven is up, earth is down, so Christ is sitting up, and so when I'm praying, I need to be thinking like up toward the heavens. But no, it's, it's above the fray. 
It's having a, a sense of self and a rootedness in the, that Christ sits on the throne, that no matter what is going on around us in our lives, what is going on around us in the lives of those that we love, no matter what is coming down the road in terms of our future, there is something in us that is drawn to rest in a different plane. In the who we have already been declared in God to be. Now, this is easier said than done. But it's the kind of vision that checks out the flowers and says, they've already got it. And the birds of the air and the squirrels going around, they've already been provided for. Again, what Jesus is calling his disciples in the crowd in that moment is to say, take your eyes and move them above the fray where Christ rules and reigns. And some of us who find ourselves battling and wrestling with depression and anxiety, this is not me saying we don't need medication, we don't need counselors, not that at all. But this is a call to say, when we see where Christ is, that brings a peace and calm. That when all we do is scroll, doom scroll, we cannot find. And the third one is a sense of understanding of our moment. If you have your book, you'll notice that there's a quote at the end from uh, Augustine. It's, do not let your songs be inspired by the place where you are now by Babylon but sing from where your hearts are. Sing as from your habitation, it's an old word, your dwelling on high. The idea being that when we look around, when we interact with coworkers, when we talk to our neighbors, it's going to feel odd. Because our real self is hidden with Christ above the fray where he rules and reigns. And so the values of the world around us and the cultural worldview around us and the things that we uh, hear and uh, are try to be attracted to in terms of advertising and, and accessibility. Those are things that are, are not from where Christ is. And so there's going to be this confrontation. And so a text like this allows us to, to get a sense or maybe come to grips a little bit with the oddity of what it means to be in Christ. That it's going to feel a little bit different, and it's meant to be. Because our life is hidden with Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, my prayer is that we would have a greater appreciation and understanding 
of where our real life is. And that whether it's in relationship to sin, anxiety and fear, or understanding our moment, that we would have a greater sense of who we are in Christ, that we have been made alive, and that our old self has been put to death, and that while we will not see who you have made us to be in this life, we are given beautiful glimpses. And so perhaps the other prayer for this morning is that you would help us to point that out and call that out in each other. Or maybe find someone who can help us see our hidden life in you. And now as we receive your blessing and as we close in song, God, send us out into your world with your blessing and the truth that you have made us in your likeness. We pray in Christ's name, amen.